Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to Hot Girl Histories. I'm your host, Claire Taylor. I am currently in the depths of despair because I just spent the morning recording with, like literally 11.30 to 1 p.m recording with miss mayo sadler and the audio did not save like we used my stupid amazon mic and it it's been messing up recently so we're back to just the macbook air me speaking like this straight into it womp 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 i'm still a bit shook by that because i was like oh yes this is such a productive day like i record i'm gonna record one and a half hour like with mayo and then i'm gonna record with kate and like anyway i am here again with miss Kate, um, welcome to the pod. You're gonna have to come closer. Yeah. Today. I'll come closer. I'll, come I'll give you this. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh, that stupid mic. I'm throwing it away. Like I actually can't. Anyway, I'm say gonna... hello. Um, hi guys. Welcome back. <laughs> um, you've gotten a lot of like we've gotten a lot of cloud. I can't lie. A lot of people were very happy oh with the episode. And people, thank you for bearing with the audio. Like when I was yeah. read when I was reading when I was listening it back, I was like, yo. <laughs> now I get why everyone was so mad. You know what Jason was telling me at um Best the other day. He mm-hmm. was like, So you need to like you should start putting up bits on TikTok, like takes a video oh. quality. And I was like, Yeah, sure, sure. And then he's like, the thing is, people will watch bad video if the audio is good, but they won't listen to something that's recorded yeah. badly. So I was like, Well, then we have a problem. And he's like, Oh, I have a good mic. And I was like, Oh, how much do you pay? He's like, Oh, 60 bucks. Cause you know how he has that job. Yeah. Um So then you told Jason you're hired. No, he just didn't. He was like, I would give it to you, but... He got some social media marketing ideas. Though. He does have some marketing ideas, but uh, yeah, so I uh, maybe I will be investing in a 60-pound mic, like, honestly. Because after that, that was crushing. It was such a good episode. <laughs> Maya was so articulate. We can just do it again. But it was like, I feel like our discussion was so good. The flow. Yeah. The flow. So, guys. Oh, sucks. <laughs> Okay, we move on. We have to move on. Mm. So, that, you know, a lot has happened since we last recorded, guys. Yeah. Um, Kate, how was your reading week? Oh my god, my reading week was so good. I had a friend, a Teen Vogue friend, <laughs> come mm. come to visit me, and she comes to the UK like pretty often because her boyfriend lives in London. But it was her first time in Scotland. And it was us two and two other friends and we decided to travel around Scotland because I'm like, this is ridiculous. I've been in Scotland for four years, never made it to Glasgow. So we went to Glasgow, which is super chill. Um, We saw Loyal Carner, shout out to him. He was such an amazing performer. And then after two nights there, we um, also went to Isle of Arran, which is super fun. But it was was like beautiful, off season. Is that where the puffins are? No puffins, although they have this... If you want me to keep talking. Yeah. They have this like island called the Holy Isle that's owned by monks. Yeah. And women will go there for like year-long retreats and have no contact with the outside world. Mm. And only um they get what they need from like a man with a fishing boat. So we're like, how do we get there? <laughs> but we, we can figure it out in the two days, but like, okay, in the summer, if anybody wants to go with me to Holy Isle, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna know. gather a group. We're gonna go investigate, see if these women will speak to us. I don't know. So, yeah, that was my week, basically. I had a lot of fun. I also went to a techno night. Oh, right, yes. So, Swiss Society um, has been doing some hard techno nights. Each venue has been getting, like, increasingly smaller. (laughs) (laughs) But the music is so good. And whoever does the graphics for, like, the Swiss Society, like, reach out to me because they're so good as well. Um, Like, let's collab. Let's collab. Like, behave maybe wants to do something with you. I don't know. Behave as in being me. 
um but yeah we went to that i thought it was good what did you think of it it was just funny because it, it was, was in sandy's it was in a tiny room they were originally charging six pounds for entry no one was entering so we got in mm-hmm. for freaks they came out to us and they were like guys come on in like we're gonna give you yeah. like these stamps you can go in for free and yeah so we went and just danced it was kind of funny i mean it was just like a little group we yeah. pretended to do our runway walks oh my god so you know we had a few drinks you drink so it was mm. fun that was at the end of reading we were yeah yes. and i guys during reading i went to dublin i had such a cultural experience i went basically alone and i saw some friends from Trinity college dublin shout out but mostly i went to like the james joyce museum i went to the national gallery i went to the national theater I went to the Cliffs of Moher, went to Galway. Galway is the size of St. Andrews, guys. I don't know why it's called a city, like the genuinely. Song. What? Galway girl. Galway girl. Okay, yeah. yeah. Shout out Galway girl. I was a Galway girl for the day. Yeah. And then what else did I do? I just really walked around the city a ton. Yes. Um, it has a very special feel. It's a bit like run down, a bit grimy, but it, the people are so kind and it's also very beautiful. Yeah. So. I very much enjoyed it. And now, guys, this has been a busy week. And now this weekend is about to be absolutely crazy. Some of Uh, our friends are going to Reeling Ball, which is tonight, which is the most posh St. Andrews thing ever. The Reelers, they go 45 minutes away and, like, it's white tie. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, what even is I don't know what white tie means. However, it's white tie. And then I'm, like, still thinking about the audio. Like, I can't get out of my head. I can't get out of my head. We gotta push get it through, out. Push through. We gotta. Um, and then they apparently you you right you have to ask like, will you engage to dance with me or something like oh some fucking gosh. whack thing? Bridgerton and then man. Bridgerton for real. And then you <laughs> you like write down your like nine partners and you have to give it to someone. You have a three course. You have drinks. You have a three course meal and then you dance. To be fair, like the amount they pay is probably the, yeah. is like the same as like. Yeah, not whatever yeah. is nothing is included. Yeah. And they get that. And then they dance apparently until like 2 a.m. Okay. So there's that. Guys, then tomorrow. Tomorrow is Oktoberfest. Yeah. Do you care to explain Oktoberfest? Well, I think most people are familiar with the, the German well, tradition. Of, a lot of my people are like Oktoberfest, as in like oh. Germany. I mean, I guess. For whatever reason, I can't tell you why. We celebrate it in March. And each year, like, also it's like the most like hard to get tickets to events yeah. even though <laughs> each year I finally get a ticket and then I can't go so this is the first year that like, when my fingers did crossed go? last year I got COVID <gasps> yes fast. guys yeah. Yeah. not to interrupt you but a year ago yesterday I got COVID for the second time <laughs> in three months and this was like this was a chaotic time for our friend group yeah. because Beth broke her teeth. I got COVID. I then you know. got. Co- did you get COVID after me, or did you I get it before? The same thing. And then Ellie got it. Guys, our whole friend group got COVID. I think it was. Wiped yeah. yeah, we were wiped out. Anyway, yeah. Also, guys, like it's just the you can continue. But what I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. it's just the wackest event because first of all, yeah, it costs so much. It doesn't cost. It costs money. Yeah. Then you get you have to dress up in the traditional attire. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say drindle correctly. I think it's drindle. Drindle and in And like, it's all these stupid ass not German people yeah. showing up to Fallside Mill or Kinkelbeier. Do we know where it is? I think it's Kinkel. At Kinkelbeier. And dancing and drinking beer. And I don't know. I literally don't know what to do with myself. Like, the thought I of know. It. People seem to really enjoy it. But when you hear it, just like out front, like, 
six or eight hours of um drinking and dancing i'm a bit like that sounds exhausting but i think it will be fun and yeah i'm excited to wear a dirndl i feel like that was my destiny always so yeah have you decided which one no but you guys will you guys will know by the time (laughs) this episode comes out well they posted on my um on my story like some oktoberfest stuff but then guys the weekend doesn't end there does it not no sunday you are competing in a soccer tournament please tell the the hot girl history um audience what that is going to be like okay so guys (laughs) (laughs) i really don't i'm scared to talk about it like i don't know if i'm going to be a part of this but basically like during the winter world cup i just became obsessed with football and i was like i need to join something like i need to kick a ball around with some friends and that was like a new year's resolution for me actually and then someone had tossed into the chat like oh let's like do this and i thought it was like a football just a like, kickabout turns out it's a tournament and somehow i'm involved in it although i've really asked just to warm the bench be like a hype woman water girl water girl like important tasks that don't involve being on the field but there is a chance i might be on the field so um please pray for me blessings good vibes thoughts like i will need all of it so yeah that's that's sunday i guess yeah it genuinely <laughs> is whoa oh my computer was whack i'm excited to be sitting on the sunlights i think we have a big team lined up now like even without you yeah that's good there's a lot <laughs> of people and like they're kind of some of them are playing soccer over a wall some of them are you know just enthusiastic Uh we have also a few cheerleader dance friends who will be on the sidelines so who are the cheerleader dance friends sarah's a cheerleader and katie used to do dance so we have it so that's our weekend guys it's a very exciting time in st andrews i'm Mm. trying to think what else is happening oh my god yesterday we booked a little scottish getaway so in may all of our friends are going away which is exciting oh tell me about your glasgow trip where you where you went to the like two day yesterday two days ago um okay so shouting out my Teen Vogue friend again, again. The Teen Vogue just um guys what happens at Teen Vogue does not stay in Teen Vogue it actually travels internationally and that's why Abby came to visit me and her boyfriend um plays for this girl named Olivia Dean who is so good she's kind of like soulful jazz pop vibes. Mm. And he had a gig in Glasgow at King Tut's Wawa Hut, which is like, every time I say it, I have to like <laughs> stifle a laugh because of how is that real? Anyways, very cool venue. And some like really um, great acts have played there, which is really cool. Uh, he gave us tickets, me and my friend, to like come see him play. So we went to go see him play. And like, I'm just saying, like, stay tuned for this debut album. Mm. It's going to be good. Olivia Dean. Yeah. And then I made a joke that I was like working the soundboard because that's exactly where I was standing, but I was not working the soundboard. I actually don't have any experience in that, but it would be cool if someone wanted to teach me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's learning. She's learning. Yeah. Well, guys, speaking of soundboard, speaking of gigs, we are going to get into part two of um, an alternative history of house. I've gotten so much positive feedback um, mm. and like lots of ideas as well from people. And as I said, Mayu and I just recorded such a good episode. And the fucking Anyway, I also made a Twitter, guys. It's kind of slay, so follow me on Hot Girl History. But it's about H-I-S-T-O-R-I-E. Because I couldn't somehow I couldn't get histories, but I could get that. Okay. <laughs> Histoire. Histoire. Yeah. Histoire. 
So we're going to be using some of the same articles that I like kind of cited in the last episode, which is in case like we're going to start off with Luis Manuel Garcia's feature on alternative history of sexuality and club culture. So if you remember, we leave off with talking about Larry Levin and Frankie Knuckles and that Frankie Knuckles takes the opportunity at the warehouse in Chicago in 1982 at the power plant. So now we're going to get into what Frankie Knuckles kind of develops in Chicago and how Chicago becomes kind of this start of house in a way. And Garcia gives, as I explained before, some really interesting explanations of like sound. So I'm going to let Kate start us off and then I'll go into it. Chicago's house sound was developed for uh, the city's primarily queer and black clubs. So mixing older disco with Italian disco, funk, hip hop and European electropop. And this was like in contrast to New York's uh, garages, heavier gospel and soul influences, where the genre sort of featured a mix of disco, R&B, soul and funk with a focus on gospel inflected vocals. So Chicago House drew deeply from funk music with a more high energy, um, quote unquote, jacking sound, which uh, featured driving percussion and higher tempos. And then in the late 80s, house music took a harder and darker turn. Uh, This was due to DJs and producers beginning to experiment with the overdriven, squelching sounds of the, (laughs) so visceral, um, of the Roland TR-303 synthesizer. So this gritty psychedelic substyle came to be known as Acid House, and it would later provide the initial soundtrack for the UK's acid house party scene at the end of the decade. So, in Garcia's article, he was talking about... She. Sorry, she. Wait, no, wait. Let's see. Hold on. Oh. I think, uh, I've been referring to them as a woman. Wait. So, in reference to how Thamelitz was DJing by making mixtapes and spinning up benefits for political activism groups, like ACT UP, who were central to the public debate um, about HIV-AIDS in, in the 80s, Thamelitz says in Garcia's article, so in contrast to New York's techno scenes, its house scenes were where disco, queerness, racial diversity, and gender diversity were more blatant. Um, Not always peacefully, but openly. And a lot of the deep house from New York and New Jersey that came out at the end of the 80s was kind of a bridge between these two sensibilities of disco and technopop that I grew up with that thing let's grew up with <laughs> no cake <Kate. laughs> but and me because i was born in the 80s <laughs> imagine if we were well thank you for that yeah i really love how um famous is quoted within this um article and mm-hmm. that they get to share their story as well um i think if people recall famous moved to tokyo after the gentrification of mid manhattan um as we spoke about last time but I so now we are moving across the pond to our territory as Americans across the pond, um, because we could get into the Detroit music scene. That comes a bit later. It's also like there are books written about it. Yeah. It's such a big topic. So I don't want to make this episode too long because last one it took us like twenty minutes to start. And guess what? We're sixty minutes in and now, and I feel like we're doing really well. So we we'll move to the UK. Kate, have you ever been to? heaven in london no i've only been to piccadilly institute when i was 18 it was the weirdest thing ever what is piccadilly institute it's like this weird nightclub that i think all the promoters get like the 18 year old freshers to go to and then you go there and you spend your like whole night like trying to like avoid the men who like grab you by your belt loops your belt loops belt loops 
They what? Yeah. That's like really weird. Anyways, so I've never been to heaven. <laughs> um, have you ever been on like? Have you ever been to like a Biza or like a Magaluf or like those places? I wish. I wish. <laughs> no one. The pod doesn't understand. I wish. Should we explain well, it? No. Okay, no. it's just us. It's just no. our thing. <laughs> but I haven't. I haven't been to heaven or Ibiza or Magaluf. Did you say Ibiza? No, I said Ibiza, but like, should I say? I no, know. I don't know how. Like, I thought you had I, a better. Ibiza. No, Ibiza. <laughs> Ibiza, and I've never been actually. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> basically, because Ibiza comes up, and I'm gonna just say Ibiza. I don't okay. care. Sorry, Spain. Um, I've been to Magaluf, and I can tell you that the music there is not exactly like these people are making it sound like they were making a whole new sound. Maybe they were in the 80s, and then it was like a big deal. Girl. Ibiza, I guess, is still big. Like, people know Ibiza for, like, house rides or, like, rave. Yeah, I feel like it's, like, EDM. EDM. Like, Lord, please. Yeah. Someone save me. There's a music scene for sure. Yeah, so, you've never been to heaven. My story, guys, with heaven, which is the gay nightclub in London, Mm. is in October, I went to a Laidlaw conference. Shout out, Daddy Laidlaw. And I was with some of my friends. who Actually, I went to visit in Dublin. Um uh who i met through Laidlaw and stuff and we all wanted to go out after our little like we had like a gala dinner and then of course after we went to spoons you know classic and we were like right where do we go next and they were like you guys should go to heaven let's go to heaven went there's it looked like a huge queue but apparently it's not it doesn't take that long like Mm. apparently it's only 15 minutes we tried to cut the queue we somehow figured it out and then we waited and the boys kind of convinced us to not wait in the queue and i'm still so mad at them and because people said it's really fun like it's because it's a gay club you don't have the men like getting you by your belt loops and apparently it's four stories so they get different music on each which i i feel like in st andrews we don't have clubs where like you can besides the vic where there are two well period yes we do not have clubs separate sentence is that we don't have things like venues that have multiple different types of music in one space yeah. you can't say i want to move here and there the yeah. vic you have two rooms. we do what we can you know yeah. i would so go to the vic tonight i don't know what's in i think i just need to de-stress <gasps> after um i lost um anyway guys anyway no but i have to rest up for october first i'm gonna be a man by night anyway guys i what i was saying was um the so heaven which is a gay nightclub i'll reiterate once again was the first one of the first venues to host acid house nights in 1987 danny ramping's shoe became the first club with exclusive acid house programming and he did this after he came back from the one and only Ibiza, where he was doing all sorts of dj stuff um so he was getting tons of inspiration from i guess the dj scene in Ibiza. ibiza so in the uk as Sarah Thornton claimed in her book, Club Cultures, Music, Media, and Subcultural Capital, the segregation of gay and straight nightlife was especially visible between 1988 and 1992. This was when the AIDS crisis was at its peak and anti-gay legislation was being passed by Thatcher's conservative government. Um, and both London clubs, Shroom and Trip, soon found themselves on the wrong side of London's authorities. So in order to avoid police pressure, many promoters began organizing these underground events, which would be in warehouses and other out-of-town locations. And this would form the basis of the second summer of love. And that was the period starting in 1988 when the UK's rave scene blossomed and soon went international. And much like the first summer of love, 
brave culture touted um, love and freedom as core values, but didn't really disturb traditional gender roles and maintained dominant like heterosexuality um, norms. Thank you, Kate. Back to me. So in so this is all in Garcia's article. She then shifts focus to lesbian clubs in Paris. When you were in Paris, did you go to any lesbian clubs? No, I didn't. I didn't even go to any clubs. Really? Yeah, girl. I would go. Well, um, <laughs> like, what are you? What's the point of you? <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> yeah, literally, what else? <laughs> um, so she briefly focuses on lesbian clubs in Paris, but then she moves into the birth of the housing in South Africa and Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And I love this part of the article because she interviews Lerato Kati and Kati explains how she remembers having access to the house music that was in Chicago from the 880s through tapes that were brought by cousins and friends who were studying abroad in the USA. So the idea that people are coming back with like music sorry, yeah. from another city and just like playing it on like the other side of the world yeah. is really cool. And in 1990, she attended her first rave at an old disused cinema in the district of Uville. Recalling it as a religious experience so profoundly changed my life. And I put that this was me at Behave. This was me after the first Will You Behave event. <laughs> Do you have any comments? Have you had this experience before? Um, Actually, yeah. Like, I feel like, yeah, my first silo, I was in a kind of bad mood that morning. And I was like, and I can't believe I'm going to have to work at this event from, like, yeah. essentially, like, 8 p.m. to, like, <laughs> 4 a.m. Like, that's insane. Why would anyone sign up for that? And then, like, we went there to the site like kind of earlier to drop some things and they're just testing like the music and I was like oh like this might be fun like just like that's the music and then I after I finished like my shift at like midnight I got there and I was like oh my god this is amazing and like I didn't drink or do anything like at the silo like I was there completely sober and I had like the most amazing time I guess I guess religious experience I'm just to steal her words like I don't know. It was otherworldly. It was otherworldly. And... Silo is otherworldly, but in like the worst way. <laughs> okay, for me, it was in the best way. I would call that my own personal heaven, maybe. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that was a great, a great event. Also, first Raven, old disused cinema, like sign me up. Yeah, like, for real. We were looking, guys, yesterday when we were looking at places to go in Scotland for our like friends trip. We found an uh, old railway station. That we might have seen it, but we didn't. We didn't look that one. So, anyways, it was also in the middle of nowhere. She would have. But, guys, basically, back to Kati. Before the age of 20, she founded a place called Planet Hendon, which is a club in the space above a coffee shop where she worked. And here's a quote about the club Planet Hendon. So, she's like, We had a long tradition of black women running drinking holes called she beans and w- the women that ran these illegal boozers were known as the she bean queens in a way she was continuing a family tradition by running a club since her grandmother ran a jazz she bean in the 50s so i very much enjoyed this quote because it, me- it immediately made me think about women and social reproduction kate do you know the theory of social reproduction i don't would you like to explain i to mean me? i can briefly i'm gonna butcher it so it's originally in a Marxist idea of like there's productive labor and reproductive labor. Mm-hmm. I'm educating Kate. This is economics, don't talk. Educating. And so you like historically because of patriarchy in the West, uh, and also in the East, but in the West, mm-hmm. we're looking at like industrialization. Men enter the productive sphere and women enter the reproductive sphere. Mm-hmm. So while men are at the factories, they're producing something. 
the women are at home feeding the fire to make sure that they will have a warm house for the men to come home to. And they also will make food for the men to come home to so that the man will be fed so that he can go to sleep with a full belly and go to work the next morning. And also, of course, women reproduce like the next generation of workers. But social reproduction theory, the book, I'm going to do a whole episode, I think, about the book Social Reproduction Theory. Mm-hmm. But in Social Reproduction Theory, What's the Big Idea by Susan Ferguson, who is a contributor to the book Social Reproduction Theory, she says the key to this concept is an understanding that the production of goods and services and the production of life are part are part of one integrated process. Or in other words, it, they acknowledge that race and gender oppression occur capitalistically. And she shows how SRT in this article can deepen our understanding of everyday life under capitalism. And social reproduction has been looked at as a, almost like it doesn't like how intersectionality almost makes it seem like there's crossroads. Mm-hmm. That an intersection is like these things touch and that's it. They don't mm-hmm. like, they don't shift and move together. And I think mm-hmm. the idea of social reproduction theory is more of like circular, that there's all these different ways that we produce workers and that we reproduce labor and one of the things historically women are in pro- reproductive labor and women running coffee houses or even she beans which are places that men come to relax after a day of work places that men fuel up for work getting coffee i thought was interesting because it seems almost like she's shifting with the times she has opened a business that caters to reproductive work but like that's with the time so instead of say uh jazz she being that was in the 50s um now she's running something that is like catering to the music of like what men and also women are listening to at the time mm. but i really enjoy this so like that also the idea that's generational yeah. and that she's saying that she's following in her grandmother's path and so yeah it is so sweet <laughs> On this note of women DJs, I want to shift back to Denise's article in Bazaar, which we spoke about at the very beginning of the first episode. And Denise concludes her article with the statements, presence of black women DJs and vocalists makes house music unique, even though too many of these women are erased from the early house music narrative. Stacey Hotwax Hale traveled between Chicago and Detroit, modeling turntablism to the young men who would come to be known as architects of early Detroit techno. DJ Sharon White of New York City was among the few women who spun at the Paradise Garage. Ultra Nate not only offered her voice to hundreds of house tracks, but also turned her attention to the turntables to make sure her name would become part of history. But she doesn't go further into these women besides saying to make sure her name would become part of history. So there's these three sentences about these women that are clearly doing amazing things in the DJing world. So I decided to do my own research, and Kate's going to start us off with some of those own research on Stacey Hotwax. Okay. <laughs> so Stacey Hotwax has an interesting biography. So the name Hotwax, spelled with two X's, by the way, yes. um, <laughs> apparently was deeply entrenched in Detroit's dance scene in clubs, Cheeks, The Warehouse, Heaven, Studio 54, Grasshopper, Underground, Populix, Menos, heaven tv bar and more since 1989 um her international presence includes performing in london ibiza (laughs) berlin (laughs) amsterdam toronto and across the united states she actually won the motor city mix context which is a 10k prize after popularly being on the radio in the mid to late 80s and she also formed a live music group uh, called Nyumba Muziki, which has performed at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History and for the I've Detroit. Okay, shout out. It's really good. <laughs> and where is it? 
in DC. Uh, DC. Yeah. Figures. And actually, a tangent, tangent, but if you go look up the Museum of African American History, they have a really cool visual archive online. Yeah, they're really cool yeah. with visual stuff. Um, I've looked that up before for like my film class and they like have like press releases and like cool like posters and stuff. So check it out. Um, but Nyumba Muziki has also played for the Detroit Theater Conservancy Conservancy. And currently Stacy Hotwax is the assistant music director and DJ in Jessica Kerr Moore's Black Woman Rock Band. And she's also in two documentaries, which I haven't seen, but would like to, called High Tech Soul, which is about Detroit, and it's also on YouTube, and yeah, Girls so Gone Vinyl, which is a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it slow? I couldn't find Girls Gone Vinyl. I could find High Tech Soul, but it was already too late. So I was like, well, <laughs> not watching that. Uh, also, we didn't really talk about Detroit that much. Yeah, part three. No, no, there won't be a part three. This is, Kate's already trying to run off on me. Like, she's trying to go to coffee with her friend. No. Anyway, guys, now we're going to go into DJ Sharon White. So according to the Legends of Vinyl website, she is from West Babylon, New York, and was born in 1954, same year as my dad was born. Shout out. She was a student at New York School of Music where she studied percussion, and she was a radio disc jockey in the early 70s in New York City, but then transitioned into a disco club DJ in 1975. She went on to be the first woman to play and be a resident DJ at The Saint. We have The Saint in St. Andrews, and it's not <laughs> a DJ place. And other famous clubs like Studio 54, Limelight, Sound Factory, The Pavilion, and The Warehouse. Great, great. No, that worked. <laughs> Sharon would also uh, be the only woman to ever play the legendary Paradise Garage. So, guys, the article, according to Denise, says that she's one of the only women. On her profile, it says that she's the only woman who played a Paradise Garage, which I think is so girl boss of her and cool. Mm. And I can't believe that. Also, it's shocking that only one woman has played a Paradise Garage, don't you think? Yeah. What? <laughs> but, so our last girl boss DJ, I think she's like the most, I don't know, well known contemporarily because she still makes music and she also makes mm. like not only house music. Is Ultra Nate, who was born in Havre de Grace, Maryland, nineteen sixty eight. She's in her 50s, and her website is super cool, guys. That's where I got a lot of her info. So she is currently more than 30 years in the business of house. When she debuted on the scene in 1989, she's best known. She's best known in America for her 1990s dance cover track, Free, uh, which we just listened to, Banger. And also, it's over now, and her reverb 1990 album, Blue Notes in the Basement. She has an impressive list of creative highlights with everyone from the Basement Boys to Nellie Hopper, The Influence, Donna Hendricks, Lenny Kravitz, and Frankie Knuckles. Shout them out. Shout them out, for real. And she was named one of Billboard magazine's greatest of all time top dance artists, along with having three entries in the music industry Bibles, respective greatest of all time top ten dance club songs. And she was in, uh, called the 12th most successful dance artist of all time in December 2016. Isn't that crazy? So she was number 12 of the best. What a, what a great number to be. Also pretty recent that she's been like doing this for so long. Yeah, for real. So guys, I know this is a much shorter episode than one you guys got last time because I think it took us a while to get where we wanted to. But I think it was very uh, like info-packed and yeah. uh, very interesting sorry if i'm not as like i in my head i'm constantly like oh, the audio is gone but we'll do it mine i will just re-record it's fine guys it's fine 
on our concluding my remarks, I want to hand it over to Kate to give some, I guess, thoughts on like women DJs that you like, that you want to know more about that are up and coming, um, and the future of DJing, if you have any thoughts. And I also want to talk about the Don't Walk DJs. Okay. So what I was saying to Claire, actually, it's like crazy how when I think about mainstream like DJ or electronic like music artists, I can like think of so many artists that I don't even listen to, like Skrillex or Zed <laughs> or like David yeah. David um, Guetta, like you know, like these people that did, I call them David Guetta. He's David Guetta. Maybe I made that up. I don't know. <laughs> See, I don't listen to them, but I know their name because they're like they're part of the culture or whatever. And then when I try to think of like a famous mainstream uh, female DJ, all I can really think of is Peggy Goo, who I think is like really awesome, but like she's the only one I can think of. But I will say, like, in our own little Fife community, we have some really great student DJs or just local DJs. I, like, was just thinking about, um, like, the Zentech residents. Uh, they have some really good female DJs, like mm-hmm. Corin. She's played for Behave before, and, and she's really good. And I think she's a part of some other, like, female DJ collectives around Scotland and, like, behave like shout out sky oh, like yeah. rc kelp like i think she's a great dj as well and there's even like a all-female dj collective in edinburgh that like we had wanted to work with in the past called miss world um and they do like some like club nights at sneaky pete's and that looks really sick too like there's a great like local um community and even like the djs we've um hired in the past have like made some really great music it's just like the mainstream attention hasn't really like reached them yet but i they will they they'll get it they'll get it because they're great and yeah those are just like the people i wanted to shout out um the yeah the don't walk dj has just got announced and i think it was the first time that the after party has two female acts which Woo! shout out to progress um <laughs> even though we won't talk about don't walk so we mean. won't talk about don't walk um but like they're very cool djs um and i think they're very well known and they're like the circles they play in uh the first one is hi if you wanted to Screamer. mention a little sure. bit about her so guys i just did a little wikipedia search <laughs> our friend a friend of the pod emil who you guys will hear be hearing shortly you'll be hearing sooner actually because the other um episode that i wanted to release first will probably come out later <laughs> said that these two djs are really good so he was hyped to hear about them but hi is uh her real name is Tenniel. Russell. She's known professionally as High and is an Australian techno, oh, Australian electronic producer and DJ from Western Australia. And she gained wider prominence after winning the BBC Radio 1 Essential Mix of the Year 2018. So um, Slay, she is winning. And LaFleur, could we find anything about her? Um, She's a Swedish DJ. Like She's based, a, sw- sorry, I don't know. Uh, Swedish DJ based in Berlin. And I think her stuff... Well, yeah, she does like Swedish house and techno, Ooh. and so I think they're gonna be a really cool duo to be able to see live yeah. next weekend. Come. <laughs> yeah, guys, come, come, please. <laughs> I feel like I had something else to say, but maybe, maybe I'll, I'll leave with a little remark that yeah. if this alternative history like has could prove anything to listeners is that like electronic music is for everyone mm-hmm. dj's for everyone True. like if you have any interest in like pursuing it like just go for it like a lot of these people like no one started out knowing what to do yeah. like i think As it's like saw. yeah yeah and i think it's like clouded in mystery for like a reason like to try and keep like certain people out but like if you enjoy it 
go for it and like be bad at it it's fine you'll get better so like please women non-men like get behind those decks like I want to boogie for you so we will (laughs) Kate and I will show up and boogie all the time for you so thank you Kate always lovely to have you on thanks for having me where are you headed for coffee we're gonna try the new espresso bar just (gasps) open can I go (laughs) I might go there I have to go to the post office so I'll be on there anyway Thank you, hot girl historians or not historians who are listening. You are all very hot to me. Happy belated International Women's Day. We didn't even speak about that. I actually recorded the, as you guys will hear, the episode with Emil a day before International Women's Day, which is a bit gross. But this is better because this is two days after. So it's okay, guys. Like, Mm -hmm. we're talking about women. It's going to come out first. So that's all that matters because women (laughs) are first. Um, So thank you all for listening. Please, like, tell me your thoughts if you want to hear certain topics or if you've done like a paper and you want to like talk to me about it and like come on the pod message me I will be so happy to um when I recorded with Mayu just now we were looking at one of her essays and like mm. or like we used one of her essays and it was so cool to like chat with someone who like I know you haven't done this on my cause music but like someone who's like <laughs> you know when you've researched something so yeah, much you're yeah. able to speak about it so well yeah. so please you can email me you can message me on Instagram or on Twitter Always a pleasure. Okay, see you later. See you later. Peace out. <laughs> see you at Oktoberfest in your sexy drendel. Uh, and good luck on the at the um, game. You get no, your head no, in the I game. No, I <laughs> Thank you guys. Peace. Bye. Hello, everyone. It is currently 12, 23 a.m. on Saturday, March 11th. So it's many hours after I recorded with Kate. I just wanted to say I edited this episode just now. First of all, I think it's so much better uh, than the last one. So this is proof that practice really does help. Second of all, I wanted to clarify some points. It was all in the social reproduction part that I got tripped up. So I was trying to explain it to Kate offhand. I kind of forgot the main thing about social reproduction is what I was trying to explain about intersectionality versus social reproduction theory, which there's so much to go into. But the idea is that social reproduction theory looks at different like variables of oppression, so say gender or sexuality or race, which have been used to oppress people under patriarchy, specifically oppress women because of their gender. Like these, and also class, God, how could I forget class? So race, gender, class, and like sexuality, that these are used to oppress women under patriarchy. And they all work together and like they can't be looked at as intersecting, that they are, it's much more complex than a little like crossroads. I think that's what I remember the book explaining. So that's one thing that I want to get away because I kind of start saying that women historically and then I don't say the rest of my thought and I switch. The second thing, when I'm talking about Kati's she bends, I'm already figuring out how to say it and I've just recorded it. I just listened to it. I talk about how she has made a business that uh, engages in reproductive labor. I want to say that that I don't think was her intention. Like that's I, that's what it kind of came off as when I was listening back to it. I was trying to say that something that struck me with the comment about the grandmother having um, run a jazz house and this tradition of women running houses of music in Johannesburg made me think of how women really have forever engaged in reproductive labor that is not like reproductive for the worker in general and just reproductive for people who are engaging in capitalist society that they uh, go places to rest and or fuel uh, 
after the work day is done and the whole thing with social reproduction theory is what produces the worker that's the main question and what happens outside five no what happens outside of nine to five so what's happening five to nine so like 5 p.m to 9 a.m that's allowing the worker to go to work and i guess you could argue that um someone you know going to a pub or going to a rave after work allows them to say i'm going to show up to work tomorrow instead of say i'm not going to show up to work so that's my little clarifying note thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed as i said before um do reach out if you have any thoughts or want to come on peace mm-hmm.